I think we have to be quite upfront and blunt about this in that as hard as it is to hear, the outbreak of COVID-19 is not a natural disaster. Rather, it's a disaster of our own making. Hello and welcome to the Together Podcast, a conversation about faith, justice and how to change the world. I'm Chris and today I'm joined by Kat. How you doing? I'm well, Chris. Good, good. I'm ap- apologising already ahead of time if my nose is sounding super stuffy. Hay fever is like attacking me from every angle. Are you a hay fever sufferer yourself? No, sorry. Um, I can't relate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do feel sorry for you though because I've well no I can't relate actually but I do feel sorry for you <laughs> I'm not going to try and relate because I don't know how it feels well um, I appreciate the pity or empathy sympathy whatever you want to call it <laughs> uh, today we'll be hearing from a Together podcast Hall of Famer Ruth Valerio this time around we're talking all about the coronavirus pandemic how it's affecting people living in poverty and what we can do to make a difference but before we get to that as always, it's time for Cat's question. Yes, Chris. I'm so excited for this. Um, <laughs> I feel like I have to pretend I'm really excited because I'm still like holding in strong for this segment of the podcast. Um, but I am running out of questions. Um, <laughs> so we are actually going to move on to a would you rather. <laughs> Ooh, we love a would you rather. So I feel like... It's still technically a question. Yeah, exactly. It's, I'm still going with Kat's questions. Um, yeah. But yeah, this one, it will um, be a would you rather. So um, we all know that we've been talking about the climb quite a lot and the climb and stairs. Uh-huh. So I thought this would be really appropriate for this time. So would you rather climb the stairs wherever you have to go? So for every step, you have to take a step, like a stair. Or, wait, wait, say that again. My so mind like, just like. So this is this is like a really complicated question, right? So, if you for whenever you have to go to anywhere, right? So you're going to work. Yeah. Would you rather take the stairs or run there? Oh, okay. So like, you can't walk. You always have like wherever you go from now on, you have to climb stairs the whole <laughs> the whole way there. So it's just like an imaginary staircase appears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no reality. <laughs> but would you rather always have to walk, um, climb the stairs, or uh-huh. run? Always have to be like running, sprint the whole way. Sprint, not even like. Yeah, jog. like you have to keep going. Like, like it's just obviously if you want to get there quicker, if you're going to work <laughs> from where you live, you're gonna have to like sprint in it. So. I mean, that's a really hard one because I feel like they're both <laughs> terrible options. I don't know if I can survive a sprint to work. <laughs> I'd end up passed out somewhere. <laughs> so I guess it kind of has to be the stairs. If I, can I do the stairs in like any like amount of energy I want? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. I mean, it would have to be the stairs then. Okay. I mean, that's crazy though. What, what would you do? I I would go online. I would never go anywhere again. I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> I'm making an option because my my segment in this podcast. I just thought, you know, both options are just horrendous. I hate running. I think it's like, no offense for all you runners out there. I 
I really am proud of you for running. <laughs> um, and I think it's great, but I hate it. I think it's the most boring thing ever. You can't, I, I just can't listen to things when I'm running. And Can you not? I just can't concentrate because the, the whole time I'm running, I'm just thinking, can I stop now? <laughs> and the whole thing of like, you know, you'll feel better at the end and you'll feel energized. No, I feel tired. I feel exhausted. And I feel like I just want to eat a whole tub of ice cream. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's probably the opposite of like what you should be achieving when you're running. Exactly. <laughs> and stairs um, is just horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. Thank you again for another round of Kat's questions. Once again, if you're listening, please do listen to Kat's heartfelt cry for help. <laughs> She's running out of questions and she needs some more. So if you head to our Instagram at We Are Tear Fund, send us a message, send us your question and we'll put it on the show. Now, before we get to the interview with Ruth, uh, we're going to bring back What in the World? which we haven't done for a while, but there's a very important reason to bring it back this week. Welcome to What in the World, where we discuss some of the topical talking points in news and current events around the world. Today, we're talking about what's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement, not only in the US, but across the world, in the UK here as well. As a lot of you may have seen, uh, George Floyd was an African-American man who was killed by a police officer a couple of weeks ago. In the wake of his death, in the wake of his murder, people have been beginning to raise their voices, protesting in America, in the UK, because racism is what is underpinning these deaths. George Floyd's death, unfortunately, is not one out of the blue. It's one that has happened many times in similar circumstances. So today we're just talking a bit about why is this important and what we can do to play our part in making sure that racism is stamped out. I'll just start by just saying at the time of recording, this is the day after I was at the protests in London. And what I will say is that it was incredible to see so many people who were so passionate about this subject to see so much solidarity and it was a very it was very much a moment of of grieving and very much a moment of justified anger and a moment of protesting for change there's been a lot of different takes across the across the internet of course Kat how have you kind of taken in this moment um it's a it's a different it's a difficult question Chris I think yeah I don't even know where to start I think that everything that's been going on, I think like everyone is in different minds. There's people out there that have seen it all before, have felt it all before, have lived through it. Um, there's people that have sat back on the sideline and said, you know, I love black people, so this is enough. And and But they've been aware of the situations that are going on um, around the world and you know, they've heard stories from their friends. Um, and then there's a whole other group of people that have been living in in a bubble, I feel like, the best mm-hmm. way to say it. And for me, I guess I was really just 
my mind was blown by the fact that that bubble still exists. I just always thought, you know, we all know this is a thing that's happening. Mm. And you either decide to talk about it or you decide to not talk about it. Um, Whereas now I feel like there's a lot more like people that have been living in this ignorance, I want to say. And I'm not, um, you know, as a white female growing up in London, I can say that I've never experienced racism towards me on the street. Like I feel fully safe walking down the street. I feel um, like I can trust the police system. And if something was bothering me or something, you know, I felt unsafe, that is the first place that I'll go to. Um, Uh But I've also... You know, I have heard, you know, a lot of my friends have not felt the same way. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, talking about it now is, I think it's so, I love seeing everyone talking about it because I think it's such an important topic. And I think we all need to take this time. Um, you know, we were talking about this earlier. It's like, I, I just pray that this is not just going to be another trend. Um, that only lasts for a a month or two and then we move on to the next thing. Um, Because this is something that, like, you know, look at history. We haven't been able to move on from this trend because this trend keeps repeating, if you want to call it a trend. You know, over every decade or so, we have to repeat the marches. We have to repeat the the movement. And it's like, why is this still happening now? Um, you know, why do we have to have every every few years that we're now having this realisation again? Um, yeah. Come on now, like... <laughs> so I think... I do believe this is different. I do believe that in 2020 we're going to have significant and sustainable change. Um, but I think, like for me, one thing that I can definitely do and... Um, yeah. Sorry if you can hear gr- gr- <laughs> drilling in the background. <laughs> no worries. Um, but yeah, I think the first thing that we all need to be doing is educating ourselves and coming out of that bubble. Yeah. And I think an important part of that is recognizing that this isn't just about personal incidents of someone said something racist to someone or, or didn't took a racist action. This is about a systemic structural issue, uh, one that underpins the majority of the injustice and poverty that we see in the world today. This isn't just about something that's happened in America or what happens here in the UK. This is about the systems in place that devalue black lives and actually say, you know, this is, we're not going to address these issues because it does benefit a lot of people to not address mm. them. And, and so, you know, as, as tier fund, as we are tier fund, we are, striving to make sure that we do address it and we believe that you know particularly for us you know we've been doing this you know you can look through look back to our podcast with people like Renee people like Michael Bournet even with Governor B from the UK as well and I hope those are good starting places for some people to kind of get an understanding of how these how these issues intersect with different issues of poverty and different issues of injustice but as we kind of continue to address this we're going to make sure that we are you like you said Kat not just doing this just for a trend not just doing it because if we feel like pressure to do it but because this is the work that we do 
And so if you're interested in in that work, if you're interested in coming along on that journey, uh, you can already head to our website, www.wear.tearfund.org. And you can find an article that I wrote this week uh, called Black Lives Matter. And that kind of says in a bit more detail of what we just spoke about, of what some of the issues behind this are and how we can collectively join together to make sure that it no longer is an issue. So yeah, head there to www.wear.tearfund.org. We're going to continue to be talking about this as we talk about all issues of justice and poverty and make sure that this is something that we are not silent in because silence is violence. Silence is complicit. So yeah, thank you so much, Kat. It's a difficult subject for everyone to talk about. um, But yeah, I feel great that we can talk about it here. Yeah, 100%. As we move on with this podcast episode, we are now going to hear from Ruth. She's going to be talking to us about the coronavirus pandemic, as I said before. Uh, Let's have a little listen now. Hi, so I'm Ruth Valerio, and I'm Global Advocacy and Influencing Director for Tear Fund. Awesome. It's good to have you back on the podcast, Ruth. Uh, we really enjoyed your last last episode where we talk about all things climate and what we can do in that. Uh, today we're talking more about an issue that's affecting everyone around the world right now, which is the coronavirus pandemic. How have you personally found this moment? Oh gosh, so strange, <laughs> along with everybody, and such a it's such a mix of different emotions. So before it happened, I was running full tilt uh, in what I believe God had had to call me to and does still call me to and I had loads of speaking engagements I was in the middle of the release of a a really successful book that was an Amazon bestseller and and then kind of overnight everything ground to a halt and I felt like I just sort of hit a brick wall and I sat on the ground for quite some while thinking oh what's just happened <laughs> and then gradually picked myself back up off the floor and, and have continued on so it's a kind of funny thing because so many things to be thankful for I'm actually loving having the extra time at home I'm really aware that I'm so blessed that I've got a garden I can spend time with I've got a good family that I'm enjoying and there's there's so much that I'm thankful for and that I'm actually enjoying about this time and then also so aware of the massive pain that it's causing to so many people and I've lost loved ones through this time as well so there's grief involved in it and in it too and in one sense I can't make sense of it and I kind of think we're not we don't need to make sense of it life is going to be different and life changes and that is part of life so for me it's more about just walking faithfully with God through through this particular season and praying that God would would use me in whatever way he wants to use me so it's kind of it's kind of holding those different things together and trying to walk faithfully with God in it yeah, I, I, during during this time, you know, I think everyone's been on a similar journey of just like, what's going on? And then kind of like, okay, maybe there's some aspects that are all right. Um, but I guess I don't, what we've talked about on the podcast quite a lot, like how we're getting through this. Uh, 
if you could offer like one piece of advice to people listening for like how you've managed to kind of stay grounded during this time, whether it's spiritual or whether it's something practical, whether it's a TV show or something, what, what's been one thing that's kind of helped you get through it? Well, I think it's probably obvious actually to say keeping a good rhythm. It's all those basic well-being, mental health things that we talk about. Yeah. Having a rhythm, eating well, um, exercise. I exercise regularly. Uh, well, the one thing for me actually that I've found is that I've been doing a lot of seed sowing. Do you know you don't need a huge garden to do that? You can do that on a windowsill, just in <clears throat> pots or in different places in my garden. And I do happen to have a small greenhouse. So I've been doing, I've been sowing a lot of seeds and really praying and reflecting and using that um, as, as a meditative thing, really. And asking yeah. God, oh, in the same way that I'm sowing these physical seeds, may I somehow be sowing seeds, kingdom seeds during this time. And all I can do is sow them and then... God, you have to make them grow. And I was transplanting some um, some seeds I'd grown that had grown a bit and they now needed to go into a bigger pot. And as I was putting them into the bigger pot, I noticed when they were just on their own, they completely flopped. And then <clears> as I packed the seed full of soil, that helped them stand up. And I was reflecting on what soil am I in? I'm only going to stand strong if I'm planted and rooted in good soil. So using yeah. that as a reflection, asking God to make sure that I'm in good soil so that I'll stand up strong and firm too. So, you know, there's different things like that. Then I'm, yeah. I'm loving some good TV shows. <laughs> who is it? Who is it? I mean, you spoke earlier about, you know, trying to figure it out and everyone's trying to figure it out in that sense. And I guess a question that people have is where did this even come from? You know, is this a natural disaster? Is this God's judgment, as some people have said? Or is this a sign of the end times? Yeah, so this this is a hard one. Um, and I think we have to be quite upfront and blunt about this, in that as hard as it is to hear, the outbreak of COVID-19 is not a natural disaster. Rather, it's a disaster of our own making. So viruses jump species and they get into humans. Uh, we, you know, we've known this for centuries. And environmental destruction makes this more likely to happen and with greater frequency. So as people are brought into closer contact with virus-carrying animals through, through the way, through our behaviour, through the way we're interacting with the natural world, then it's making it more likely that viruses are going to happen. So things like deforestation, mining, the bushmeat trade, animal trafficking, unsustainable agricultural practices are all likely factors at play here. And then the way that we have continued flying around the world, even when we've known how environmentally destructive it is, <clears throat> our flying habits have then led to this virus becoming global and becoming a pandemic so really the desperation of poverty and the greed of wealth are sadly what has led to this pandemic yeah and you and you mentioned poverty and i think obviously we, here everyone is being affected by the virus in different ways um and i don't think i don't think it's easy anywhere around the world uh but for people living in poverty now 
uh, I'm seeing that it's especially harder. Um, how are they being affected by the virus? Yeah, so as you know, Tier Fund, we work in 45 to 50 countries, working with the, some of the poorest communities in the world, and we're monitoring really closely the impact that it's having. We're seeing it beginning to have an impact through the pandemic itself and through the death that it's causing, but also just lockdown itself is causing massive problems. For us, we can lock down. We can live in our houses, for many of us, and not need to go outside. We have fridges so we can buy food and stock up in that way, in the way that we saw a few months back. But for countless numbers of people around the world, they can't do that. There's no furlough scheme, no social backup, uh, no help from the government. So for millions of people, lockdown means they can't go out and work for that day, which means the next day they have no money to buy food. And literally, poverty and starvation are happening as a result of that. So although we are... You know, I don't want to diminish the uncertainty and the worry and the grief and how it's impacting us here, because it really is. And I'm not diminishing that. At the same time, as we look at our global neighbours, we know that it's having a a deeper impact on them, too. And so so it's up to all of us, really, to be responding to our local neighbours and our local communities, but also not to be forgetting our global neighbours as well. Yeah. I, and I guess what's part of what you were saying in terms of we have more of a kind of a central organized response. Um, I guess for people living in countries where that isn't necessarily the same, how how are they being organized to kind of battle against the virus? Yeah, actually, where that's not happening, where so where there, there isn't that central response. Well, one aspect of it is that there is no response and people fall but there's also an informal local community response that happens particularly through the local church so many of the churches and uh, Christian the pastors who we're working with as tier fund are really involved in responding in their own local communities and we know of communities where churches are involved in bringing people together to help one another so um, literally one, I can't remember which country it was in now, but one community I was hearing about where those who had more money and were able to buy food were putting that food out on a table yeah. so that others who couldn't could come and get that. And that that's really powerful, isn't it? And so often churches and pastors are in the middle of coordinating those responses and yeah. helping right meet those very very intense immediate physical needs of the people that are around them yeah it's interesting that the church is playing such a key role because obviously with everything being in lockdown a lot of churches have closed and it's there's also the argument on the other side that people kind of say well why are we closing churches when we should be believing god to protect us to heal us etc what would your response be to that So I think, yes, God does protect and he does heal. Um, We are his hands and feet and 
it's vital that we play our role in different ways. And sometimes that's about listening and acting on the advice of experts. I trust God with my health, but I also try and eat healthily and exercise and look after myself. If I break my leg, I will pray for healing, but I'll also go to the doctor. I think sometimes as Christians, we can create sides so easily. It's either this or it's either that. Actually, it's about holding it together. And we've seen our churches responding in so many amazing ways in this country and wider as well. And the fact that we can't go into our church buildings doesn't mean that there aren't many other things that we can be doing to help as well. And we also play a vital role, as well as meeting people's physical needs, meeting people's, helping meet people's spiritual and emotional, psychological needs too. And the church plays such a key part in helping people dealing with grief and helping with those wider spiritual needs that are there too. We had some research out recently as Tear Fund that showed that the number of people praying and attending online services at this time is higher than it is normally at, at other times. And so I think there's a real need, a, a non-physical need that we can be meeting too. Yeah, that's really interesting. Just our, the ability of the church to play a big helping hand in during this pandemic. Uh, I guess there's two kind of like ways to look at that that I would like, love to ask you about. I guess there's you know, what are Tear Fund doing, I guess, in, the, in that response? And also there's uh, what can we do as individuals? Yeah, so Tear Fund is involved working in a whole number of ways through the different communities that, that we serve, whether that is um, providing online um, or different advice to communities around sanitation and health, whether it's physically providing things like soap and good water facilities. You know, it's all very well talking about sanitation if you're living somewhere where you don't have clean water and you don't have any soap. That means something completely different. So really practical, basic stuff like that can can make a big difference to communities and to whether the pandemic spreads there. Also, working through churches to give cash donations for very uh, well-structured um, systems and processes that we've got around that in order yeah. to meet the needs of those who literally are finding that they don't have any money and they need money in order to buy food. So yeah. we're responding in a whole range of different ways across the world. And then when it comes to our own response as individuals, I often like to talk about standing in the gap that we stand in the gap in order to help people. And that gap is G-A-P, giving, acting and praying. So I would really encourage people who are listening to this to give. Please give to the work of Tear Fund. Give to the work of organisations who are helping to respond to those needs around the world. And then acting. We can act through getting involved with our neighbours. I know that I know my neighbours. I've known them well, but I know them better now. I've been involved in you know, taking out, taking food and shopping for people. There are really practical things that we can be doing to help those that are around us. And then P, pray. It's always my experience that prayer and practical action go together in any response that we make. And 
we've seen in the UK, haven't we, and around the world with the UK blessing and some of these incredible things that have gone out. I'm, um, I think we're seeing, and I long to see a movement of prayer that undergirds the practical movement of action that we're also seeing our churches taking. So let's stand yeah. in the gap, give, act, and pray. Awesome, and these are all great things in our response, I guess, to to what's happening now. Uh, but like going back to what you said right at the beginning about you know how this is a problem about of human greed um, and unaddressed poverty how do we go forward from this moment and say let's not allow this to happen again what would we need to do as as individuals as a society as a global community to make sure something like this is not happening again yeah there's a whole range of different things that that we need to bring together we've been doing some work at tear fund around what we're calling the world rebooted you know our world's gone wrong and we we need to reboot it and set it off, use this opportunity to set it off in a, a new direction and to reboot our economy in a fair and sustainable way. So we're calling for a world that allows every person to flourish along with all of creation. And and I, if there's one thing I would ask listeners to do would be to send a message to our Prime Minister asking him to find a way forward that prioritises the poor, tackles the climate emergency and builds a better world for everyone. And if people want to do that, they can just put into their search engine Tear Fund World Rebooted or Reboot Campaign and come up with that and that will show you how to do that. So let's email our Prime Minister and urge him to reboot our world and build back a different economy that works for all. Lots of words of wisdom there from Ruth. Um, what stood out the most to you, Chris? What are your thoughts? I think it was a yeah, really good conversation and I think... One of the things that she talk about, you know, how people living in poverty have it harder and that actually coronavirus is something that will push more people into poverty as well as lockdown measures continue, uh, which, of course, like we know the lockdown measures are necessary. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about in the UK context, as Ruth said, you know, we have structures to kind of help us with that in terms of like furlough and, and you know, things like that. Um, but yeah, if if you live in a country where you literally the only way you can eat is by working, then and you and you're not allowed to work, then that's really really tough. And mm-hmm. so it's I think it's really important to always have a perspective, like a global perspective of what's happening. And that is not to say that how we're experiencing it here isn't difficult or anywhere else. I think it is massively challenging for everyone. I think it's just important to remember that, yeah, even even we still have like uh, an amount of privilege within this situation as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's um, I love what she talked about. You know, I th- I feel like a lot of people and probably well, a lot of Christians um, go around, you know, th- and believe that coronavirus was sent from God, or they look at coronavirus as a natural disaster. But the reality is, like, it's not—it's not something that 
God has sent down to punish us because that's not God. You know, God is love and that coronavirus is the opposite of love. Um, so I think it's actually, it's just crazy for someone to, yeah, to even consider that, I think. I think the result has been is just a collection of different things that we have done as humanity out of selfishness. Just, you know, looking at, look at climate crisis, like, that's all man made. And I think coronavirus, you know, the exact reason at the moment isn't, I don't think it's still, like, known. But, you know, whatever it is, it's, 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 it's got to be due to um, our misuse of the planet, misuse of the animals, um, the way we treat God's creation. It all just adds on top and on top and, you know, just piles up on, and then you get this. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think it's mad to say that it's something that's natural, it's not. That's the thing though, it's like, if, instead of kind of coming up with like, these ideas about eyes from God, whatever, really the useful thing to do as Christians, as like a global church, is to say, you know what, we can be a big part of the response and making sure that people's, as Ruth said, people's needs, physical needs and spiritual and emotional needs are being met in this time. And it's really interesting just to hear about how that happens in some of these countries where actually faith leaders are, are on the front line and people are really being having their needs addressed through that and I, and I hope that is something that we as a global church can continue to do. Yeah definitely I agree with that. Well that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back again on the 22nd of June with another episode. If you liked what you heard then make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Fund.